Good morning. So a few from months from now, on June 29th of this year, we are going to be taking our Torah scroll out of the ark in our sanctuary in Woodenville, and we're going to start walking. And we're going to walk down Avondale Road, and then we have a whole map. But we're going to walk for 12 miles, and we're going to be pushing the Torah. We're not going to carry it because it's really heavy, but we're going to put it in a, a baby buggy, and we're going to be pushing it all the way to here. All the way here, actually, in there, or in here, um, and we will be putting it back into the ark. Because starting on July 1st, we're moving our congregational life from Woodenville to Kirkland, and Friday nights and Saturday mornings, we'll be worshiping in the chapel um, right next door here, and we're going to be centering our communal life around um, this holy space, North, North Lake Unitarian. We are so blessed. I really feel like I've been given a gift, a grant, something very special from God in being able to build community here at North Lake. We've been in Woodenville for 18 years. And I'm sure some of you have experienced your life this moment when you knew it was time to go. And you knew you needed to find a better place and a place that was more nurturing, where the, the soil was more fertile for your growth and development. And we've had a relationship with Northlake for a while. Um, and so when we inquired, might you have some space available for us? We only inquired here. And we were met so graciously with the vision that Sandy shared with us of this congregation, which is to be an in-gathering place for all people, a holy space for all people. And so we joined many different religious and spiritual groups who come here to worship and create this holy mountain right here in the middle of Kirkland, Washington, where we all come together. We're going to be marching our Torah because that's what we've done for centuries is walk the Torah scroll from one place to another when we move. And actually the tradition is that when you get to the new location, you walk around the building seven times, which is the same thing that a bride or groom does during a wedding. You're creating your sacred space with the number seven, which is a number of wholeness and completion, and creating that, that intimacy by walking around and around before you go in. And we're carrying the five books of Moses, which we still read in scroll form on animal parchment every single week. And that is a big part of Kolomi as a community, is coming together on Saturday mornings at 9 AM to study the weekly portion from the Torah. That's one of our most active groups in our whole congregation. Sometimes we get more people to Torah study than we do Friday night services. Because in Judaism, just reading and studying and discussing the Torah portion, you don't necessarily have to say, I'm going to live just like that. But working with it, manipulating it, diving into it, that's practicing Judaism. Just the study and the learning and the engagement. And so we go year after year, we are, do this cycle, starting with Genesis, reading all the way through the end of Deuteronomy. Year after year, we study the same thing, the same portion over and over again. And every year there's new insights because the world changes even though the Torah doesn't. And so it's a prism every single week for our world. The story is, it starts with Genesis, but really, for the Jewish people, the heart of the story is 
Yitziat Mitzrayim, leaving Egypt, going from being a slave people to being a free people, part of the story which I told today with the children, that story of liberation. The Israelites go through the Sea of Reeds, the birth canal, they come out to the other side free, and then they begin to march together towards Sinai, towards their Sinai moment where they experience revelation, the giving of the Ten Commandments, and for some, the whole Torah, and that's when they're supposed to come together as a people. They were a family, a loose family of tribes before when they come through the Sea of Reeds and then come to Sinai is when they come together as a people. And they get this holy text and all these instructions and then they're told to march on towards the holy land, towards the promised land. Now if you look at a map, there's no way you can just march in one direction for 40 years and not way overshoot the holy land. <laughs> It's not 40 years of wandering. What they did is they wandered in circles for 40 years, over and over again, repassing the same spots, but having learned new lessons over and over again. Why? Because it became very clear after leaving Egypt and after receiving Torah at Sinai that the generation that were slaves in Egypt was not the right generation to be the generation that went into the promised land. That the, the mentality the degradation of slavery was so traumatic that they were not going to be the right people. It's their children born in the wilderness that were going to be the ones to go into the promised land. And so what I wanted to share with you today were four lessons. I have about 400, but four lessons that apply, that I use on a regular basis, things I've learned from studying the Torah and studying the wanderings of the Israelites going over and over and over again. And the first lesson I learn happens right after Sinai, and that's the lesson of brokenness and wholeness coming together and journeying with us. Because when Moses came down from Mount Sinai the first time, they had built a golden calf. It was a very unfortunate, very unfortunate situation. <laughs> and Moses, in anger, threw down the, the tablets. They were broken, but then, of course, we believe in second chances, went back up got a second set, came back down, mending of relationships happened, and they all started to journey together. But what was in the Ark of the Covenant was not just the whole set, it was also the broken set. They carried both. And that was a huge burden because the Ark of the Covenant was inlaid with gold on the inside and the outside. And they were carrying it on their shoulders with the broken tablets and the whole tablets rattling around in there together, their whole journey. And what I learned from this is that we always walk and journey with our brokenness and our wholeness. We can't say, oh, a new start, I'm leaving my brokenness behind and only carrying my wholeness forward. No, grace is being able to walk forward with the weight of our past experiences, our brokenness, and also with the belief and the reality of our possible wholeness and actually our real wholeness. We're both broken and whole. And we wander like that together. And the only way we can do it, and this is true of the Israelites, the only way they could carry that Ark of the Covenant is if they had people helping. They had the support of a community. You can't wander in the desert all by yourself with your brokenness and wholeness. You need to come together and we share in that burden. We share with our sorrows and our joys. So that's lesson number one. Put all that in the ark and carry it with you. Lesson number two 
has to do with looking backwards also. Because once the Israelites got out of Egypt, almost right away they started complaining. And they started complaining about the food. They were getting, they're getting manna every day, three times a day, these meals just coming down from the sky. And yet they keep on complaining to each other, we want to go back because we miss the watermelons and we miss the fruit, the cucumbers, and we miss the fish of Egypt. The convenience of ready food, they were willing to give up for freedom. Because it was hard being in the desert. Freedom is hard. And they wanted to go back. One of my professors in rabbinical school taught me that nostalgia is only useful if it's something that you know for sure you can never return back to. And I believe that that is very important because we have to live in the now, in the future, and not in the past. We can't continue to look backwards and idealize our past and say the good old days. First of all, because we always know whenever someone says that, it wasn't the good old days for everybody, was it? It was never the good old days for everyone. So we always move forward with this vision of greater equality, greater peace, greater justice, knowing that our past is important, but what's so much more important is the future and future generations. Never look back with nostalgia unless you know you're carrying everyone with you forward. And the third one, the third lesson, is that what hurts can also heal. In the book of Numbers, there's an incident where the Israelites are once again complaining about the food, about lack of water, about how difficult it is to be free in the desert, and they are inflicted with the punishment of being bitten by snakes. I don't know if any of you remember this story. There's a, it's the snake story. There's snakes in the desert. They're biting them. Everybody gets sick. And then God says, and this is what's going to heal you, and tells Moses, make a copper snake that everybody is going to look at. And when they look at that copper snake, they will be healed. It reminds me of, of homeopathy or immunizations, that, it, you know, that that which hurts you can also heal you. For those of people who struggle with health that's related to food, food can hurt you, but it can also be that exact same thing that heals you. Nothing in this world is intrinsically good or bad. It's really how we approach it and the circumstances that we are in. That which hurts you can also heal you. And fourth, and this one I think is so important for me now, and I might be important for you too, because sometimes when you're in the middle of the desert and it's hot and it's hard, and you think right ahead of you there's gonna be the promised land, and then you get over the hill and you realize it's just more desert. Have many of you experienced anything like that recently? <laughs> you think it's about to come to an end and then it's just more desert. And this is what we learn from the journey and from the end of Deuteronomy is that we do not all get there. We're not all gonna see the promised land. But that doesn't mean that we don't keep moving forward for the hope of future generations. Standing at Sinai meant standing past, present, and future. Our tradition is that every single soul was there, all that had lived, all that were living at the time, and all the future. So that moment is for eternity. yud heh vav -Hey, God's name in Hebrew, the tetragrammatron, is the root of that is the word to be, existence, past, present, and future. That's where we're moving all the time, is with all of that together. And so Moses, the star of Exodus, the hero, he doesn't get to go into the promised land. He stands at the top of Har Nebo, 
looking into the promised land, but he knows he will never get there himself. But he still looks forward and promotes leadership of the next generation. He died on the other side with all those who'd experienced slavery. My own father, Rabbi Myron Kimberg, passed away at 51, and we have a picture right before his death of him standing on Har Nebo, looking into the promised land, a picture of him from behind. And whenever I'm disappointed about what doesn't happen in the world that lead, that's supposed to lead towards greater justice and peace, whenever I feel disappointed, I always think about Moses, and I think about my father, and I think about their strength and all that they did, knowing that this is not for them that they're doing it, but for future generations knowing that we might not ever get to see the promised land, but we're gonna keep marching forward together. I want to leave you with a reading. And I wanna leave you with a summary of what I believe our people learned and what we can all learn from their experience. They learned, and we can learn from them, that there's no going back, that the past is not a place to live, and that they will, we will be most content when we experience and address and acknowledge the everyday blessing that's raining down on us right now. They, the ancient Israelites, learned, and we can learn from them, that nothing in creation is inherently bad or good. It's how we encounter reality. And they, the ancient Israelites, learned, and we learned from them that we are making this world a better place, not for ourselves only, but for future generations. We may never see the fruits of our labors. How many people died before they got to see marriage equality in this country? Yet they worked so hard. They worked so hard for that. What are we working so hard for now that we may never see in the future? And lastly, they learned, the ancient Israelites marching forward, as we learn from them that life is a sacred journey filled with opportunity to grow wiser and stronger. And we learned that wherever we go, really, is eternally Egypt. These are the words of Michael Walzer. Walzer. Standing on the parted shores of history, we still believe what we were taught ever before we stood at Sinai's foot. That wherever we go, it's eternally Egypt, but there's always, always a better place. And that way to that promise passes through this wilderness and that there is no way to get from there, from Egypt, to there, the promised land, except for, hold out your hands, have a hand go in your hand, except for holding hands and marching together towards that promised land. I look forward to bringing Kolami and all of us together to be a community of justice and peace, always marching forward for the future of all children, all generations. Thank you. <laughs>